Honey, I'm home. What's for dinner? Well, honey, I've had a rough day with the kids, and I was hoping maybe we could go out tonight. Okay, kids, get in the car. We're going to go out for dinner tonight. All right, honey, where do you think you want to eat? Oh, I don't care. Anything you choose will be fine with me. Okay, great. How about Olive Garden? But Olive Garden is your favorite, and you love Italian food. Yeah, but I'm just not feeling that tonight. All right, uh, what about Texas Roadhouse? You love a steak, and maybe we can go there and have a nice evening. Not Texas Roadhouse? Well, it might just be a little too heavy. Okay, how about Tzatziki's? Not Tzatziki's either? Well, it's probably just a little too light. Okay, so where would you like to eat? I said I don't care. Just wherever you want to go will be fine with me. You laugh because you've been there, right? How difficult is it sometimes to come into agreement with people that we love the most, even on simple, insignificant issues? And when we finally can determine together, yes, we'll go eat at McDonald's, and it resonates with everyone, you feel like a miracle has taken place in your family because you can simply agree on something. This morning we're going to talk about unity. And as we do, I want us to understand that unity is one way that God shows us He is at work. Because the natural state of all of us individually, selfishly, pridefully holding our own position is the opposite of us being unified. And so if that's our natural state and we can come into agreement, then that is evidence of God at work in our midst. So let's look real quickly at unity. What is unity? According to the Internet version of Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, unity is the state of being in full agreement. The state of being in full agreement. Now, when you think about just a husband and a wife and then maybe some opinions from the back seat trying to find a place to go eat dinner, you know that being in full agreement can be a very high threshold to reach. But I want you to look around within this congregation, and I want you to see the various different types of people, the number of people, all of the different experiences and preferences that are represented here, and for a group like this to come into unity is absolutely miraculous. Much more so than just four or five or six of us determining where to go eat a meal. But unity in a group like this is the representation or the evidence that God is at work. And He is accomplishing His purpose. Look at that second definition on the screen of unity. Not just coming into being, but think about this. A way of combining the parts in a work of art or literature so that they seem to belong 
together. The way of combining the parts in a work of art or a work of literature so that the parts seem to come together. That's unity. Now, that is our goal as, as the body of Christ, to reach unity. If you Google the word unity or if you search for unity or verses about unity, you'll see many times throughout Scripture where this is a goal that has been set forth for us as believers to come into unity. To come into unity with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They are in unity as the Trinity. Tim Keller Bible Studies, y'all been through those. Okay? They experience unity within the Trinity. They invite us and challenge us as believers to live in unity with the Trinity. And then the admonition is that we would live in unity with other believers. And ultimately that we would be at peace with all men so much as it depends on us. And so unity is a great goal, but unity is a very, very difficult thing to realize. One of the challenges of unity is this. Each of us has our own agenda. Each of us has our own experiences. Each of us has our own preferences. And we bring those into relationship with each other. And you multiply that times however many hundreds of people there are in the congregation. And you see that unity can be quite, quite a challenge. I didn't ask these people to do this. So if you would like to not do this, you can stay seated. But if you are on the pastor search committee and willing to come join me on stage real briefly, you won't have to say anything, please come forward. If you are on the pastor search committee and willing to come up here, please come join me. If you stay where you are, it's fine. I'm going to call you out anyway. But you're welcome to stay there. So hopefully if you are an active member of Gateway, you got a letter this week. And it was signed by these people. Johnny Chappelle, Robbie Collins, Steve Gillis, Laura Hicks, Alicia Jung, Greg Locklear, Jenny Mertz, Molly Moore, and Bruno Resende. So if these people whose names that I called are not here, it's because they moved somewhere else this morning and had to go get something done. But I want you to think of these people behind me and the other names that were on the letter. And what the letter said was this. This group of people has come into full agreement that God is leading us to a particular candidate. Now, I want you to look at this group of people, plus the three who are not up here at the moment, Jenny Mertz, Greg Locklear, Molly Moore. And I want you to think about the different preferences that would be represented by this group of nine people the different experiences that would be represented by this group of nine people, the different desires that would be represented by this group of nine people. Now I'd like to ask the elders who are in here this morning if they would come forward and stand on stage with this group. So let me just say while he's saying that, that Molly's serving in the back. Greg is serving. I saw that he was he's here. And then Jenny is traveling with four of her Korean sisters who came across the world to travel and visit with us. Awesome. So now we've had this group in unity. And then after, and we'll go through this a little bit, in your letter as well, you kind of saw the process that was followed. 
after that process was followed and this group was in full unity, then they introduced to all of the elders that have come up to join, plus a few that aren't in here, including CJ, who's making sure we have chairs to sit in when we leave in a little bit. And the elders as well met with this candidate, heard what the pastor search committee had recommended, and also is in full unity about this candidate that God is bringing forward to this body. Now, I want you to stop and go back a little further. Take a real good snapshot here. Just get a visual, and then we'll let these guys sit down. Thank you. And then I want you to think about this. Back in December of last year, back in December of last year, we as a group were determining what is the way forward. Now, that really started back in late summer, early fall of last year. But by December, we wanted to have in place a pastor search committee that could actually begin fully functioning and doing the work that they were charged to in January. And so we said, hey, we don't do this often around here. Nobody knows what to do. So let's consult the bylaws. And the bylaws stated that the way forward was this. The elders of the church should put forward a slate of people who would be representative of the entire congregation as a recommendation to the church body for you to affirm that this would be a good representation of the body and this would be the group that you would select to walk us through this process. And so those nine people who were up here or whose names were read were submitted. And you, and, and just by the way, they were submitted over many hours of prayer and thought and discussion. And would this be a good representation of the body that they are charged to represent? And believing that they were, they were submitted to the congregation at large. And you as a congregation affirmed that, yes, indeed, these nine people would represent us well. And so the elders and the body collectively, in unity, said, hey, team, go get them. Now, what did we tell them to go do? We didn't know for sure. <laughs> How to do it, they didn't know for sure. But they met and they prayed and they got some consultation from Ken May and they did some research. And, guys, I cannot tell you, and hopefully they can't tell you, the number of hours of time, effort, energy, prayer, and meeting that went into this team simply coming together as a team before any candidates were considered. And then once they were together as a team and had some sense of the way forward, then they began to review the candidates. And if you read your letter, there were 167 candidates for this job. And every single one of the 167 was considered as a candidate for this position. And they had a process, and some of that spelled out in the letter, and you've heard updates along the way. But I just want you to think about this. Me and my wife can't determine where we want to eat when it's time to go eat supper. These nine people looked at 167 candidates, and the Lord has brought them in unity to one. And then, amen. And then... They said, guys, we've been working for like nine months on this. Don't blow it. That was Molly Moore. All right? Don't blow it. 
You know, we know he's the man. Don't mess this up. And then they gave this man's, Robbie met with us from the beginning. Robbie was um, the chairman of that team, which was not predetermined. That was determined by that team. But he was to function as a liaison between that team and the elders because he also is an elder. And so Robbie met with us after the team was in full agreement that this would be the man that we should move forward with. And he briefed us on everything that had happened to that point, who the guy was, where he was coming from, what his experience was, what his education was, what his family makeup looked like. He briefed us on the fact that they had contacted by that point 13 or 14 different references. And after that point, it's even been more. And just everybody to a T throughout all their due diligence, there's like... No concerns, no red flags, green light, yes, Lord. So he briefs us on that. And then it was really remarkable. We kind of looked at each other like, there's nothing else to do but meet with the guy. There's no more questions we need to ask, no more steps that need to be taken. It seems like, yes, Lord. So then the elders meet with the candidate, and we have time to... You know, at that point, we don't have to rehash everything he's already been through because the team has done so much work, spent so many hours. Really, guys, I cannot impress upon you the way that they have labored on behalf of this congregation to simply hear from God, to simply say, what are you doing, God? How are you moving here? We want to hear from you. We want to do what you want us to do. And, guys, they have labored. I can't impress upon you how much diligence they have brought to this process, how much prayer they have brought to the process, how much um, concern to do this with the highest integrity that they have brought to the process. But the elders met with the guy, and the only way to say it is full unity. I mean, we looked around, and we, we did not at that immediate time say, okay, now you can leave. Hey, guys, what do you think? Okay, but... After that meeting was over, we convened again very shortly thereafter, a few days later, and there was no concern at all whatsoever. Yes, 100% unity. And so when I think about how hard full agreement is in day-to-day life, and then I look at what stood up here behind us, and I know the preferences, the desires, the previous experience, The hurts, the pains, the expectations, the hopes, the ambitions that are represented on this stage. And then for all of us to be in complete unity, the only thing I can say is one of two things. Either we are all completely missing the mark or God is absolutely at work. Now, I want to say this to you very clearly, something that really um, impressed me throughout the process. On a Wednesday night, we were having a meeting, and we were well into this process, and the team had begun the narrowing, but not quite got to the final candidate. And I was in a small prayer group with Greg Locklear, and Greg was expressing some excitement, but also some, um, not reservation, but just concern that we take the process seriously and that we walk it through and entrust that the Lord would do his work through the process. And he said something like this, as a team, we are praying that if there is anything that we miss or that we don't see or that doesn't jump out at us, that God would show that to us. 
But if we miss something, we are praying that the elders would see what we've missed. And then if the elders miss something, we are praying that the congregation, when he has to be affirmed by the body at large, would see what we have all missed. So hear me clearly. The process is not finished. Okay? But I just want to highlight that God is at work. And that God has brought us at this point to a place of unity. And to simply have a business meeting and say, here's the guy, he's great, go do your homework, you'll meet him, blah, blah, blah. And fail to show what God has been doing for the last nine or ten months in preparation for this day would be to miss the hand of God at work. How can we be in full agreement? Well, we have to lay down our own agenda. We have to lay down our own ideas, our own preferences, and we've got to take up God's plan. We cannot ask, does this fit what I think or what I prefer or what I desired or what I expected? And, and I want to come off the page for just a minute and let's no longer think of Gateway Baptist Church, pastor search process, or about to be introduced to a candidate. Just think about your day-to-day life and the struggles that you find yourself in between you and the Lord and Him calling you to a higher call and you choosing whether or not you're going to engage with Him in that on a daily basis. The question is not, does this fit what I want, what I think, what I prefer? what I'm looking for, what I desired, or what I expected. The question is simply this. Is this God? Is this God's will? And I can assure you that for nine people with as broad of a background as our pastor search committee has, to have vetted 167 candidates and all come to one in unity... They were not asking the question, is he what I was hoping for? They were asking the question, is this God's man? For this job, for this season, for this congregation, is this God's man? And I can assure you, for the elders to have met and come to unity on the same man that the nine people on the pastor search committee came to unity on, is evidence that we weren't asking the question, do I think he's going to be my best friend? Does he preach short enough or long enough? Because I promise you, no, he doesn't. He does one, but not the other. Okay? Is he my style? Is he the way I would have drawn it up? Did he fit the form of what we had before? Or all the stuff that I was hoping we would get in the next go-round? Those weren't the questions being asked. The questions asked were, is this God? Is this God's will? Is this God's man? What's the purpose of unity? John 17. Carmen. John 17 says this. Jesus has prayed for the disciples and is praying for the disciples. And of course, he's getting ready to be gone from their physical presence on a daily basis and verse 22 and 17 says this the glory which you have given me I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one I and them 
and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity. What is the purpose? So that the world may know. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. What's the purpose of unity? For us as believers to be able to come into full agreement. The purpose is, that is a testimony that the world may know that we have known God and have been known by God. Because apart from God at work in our midst to bring all of us to full agreement, we'll never get there. But if we can all come to full agreement, and guys, the process is not over yet. I understand that. But even to be at the point that we are in today in full agreement, in full unity, is a testimony that God has done a work in the hearts of those who have been a part of the process. And Greg stood up and testified to that several weeks ago. The purpose of unity is not so we get along. The purpose of unity is so that the world may know. I'm going to try to move through this kind of quickly, but I think that 1 Samuel 16 is worth walking through. This is where ultimately Samuel anoints David as king. And this was kind of a passage of Scripture that I wasn't on the pastor search committee, so if you were and I'm misrepresenting this, please forgive me. I don't know if this was formally or informally a charge, but this was sort of a direction that some of, if not the entire team, was really praying through this and asking God to help them to walk through this process of finding the next pastor of Gateway in a similar way that God used Samuel to find David to be the next king of Israel. Now, I want you to understand something. When we pick up here in verse 1, chapter 16, it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? So the question is, why is Samuel grieving over Saul? And the reason is that Samuel, prophet Samuel, has been in relationship with Saul for many years. Many decades, in fact. And it was even Samuel who God chose to anoint Saul as king. And then depending on what you read, Saul reigned for some extended period of time. And again, there's some controversy over this, and I'm not smart enough to tell you the real answer. Okay, But I read the NASB, and it says 42 years, so we'll go with that for now. Okay, So Saul served for 42 years. Samuel anointed him. He served for 42 years. And then before we pick up here in 16, in chapter 15, we see that Samuel was also used to rebuke Saul because of his disobedience to the Lord. And he was the mouthpiece of God to bring the wonderful news to Saul that God is taking you off the throne. And so clearly Samuel is grieving for good reason. And I want you to think about how sometimes we grieve because... We care because we love people, because times are changing, because we're entering into a different season, because what lies behind is not what lies ahead. And the uncertainty of the future doesn't necessarily look like what we've been used to. And so we grieve. 
And so it's very natural to be at a place as we as a church in the history of this body are moving from one season into another to not only have excitement and to be looking to the Lord for expectation, but it's also natural to kind of be sorting through, how is this going to impact me? And is it going to be like what I was familiar with before? And to ask all of those questions is normal. And Samuel is grieving over Saul. But I want you to notice this. God says, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel. So notice, God is in charge. God has his man. God already picked one man, Saul, and plenty before that. And now God has removed Saul, and God is prepping Samuel to prep the people that there's a new season of leadership that is coming. And that man also will not just be anointed by Samuel, but he will be appointed by God. And I want you to see the importance that God appointed Samuel or Saul and removed him. And now God is going to appoint the next king, but it is God who has appointed the leader. I have rejected Saul. Then he says, fill your horn with oil. Watch this. And go. Take action. Move forward. Embrace what I have for you next. Go. And then the same way he says, I have rejected him, he says, I will send you. So he has rejected Saul, and now he is sending Samuel. He is in control. He is orchestrating the process. He is moving all of the people that he wants moved so that he can accomplish what he wants accomplished. I'll send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I have selected a king. Who? I have selected a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, how can I go? And he starts getting nervous that Saul's going to kill him. And then God tells him how to work through that. In verse 3, he says, You shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. I've rejected him. I will send. I have selected. Go. I will show you what to do. And you will anoint for me who? The one whom I designate to you. I'm going to show you who he is. Verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said. And I just want to say, so the pastor search committee sought the Lord, got their marching orders from him, engaged in a very difficult, obscure, not well-defined process, and said, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to do it? How do we get to the man that you have chosen for this post? And they engaged and they went and they did exactly as God led them to do. And they came to Bethlehem or not. And the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and said, do you come in peace? He said, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they had entered, meaning Jesse and his sons, Samuel is sitting there. And Samuel is like scouting them out. Is this going to be our next quarterback? He looks tall. He's strong. He's handsome. I bet he could throw the ball a mile. That guy looks pretty quick. 
He's scouting them out to determine, is this the man that God has chosen? And he looked at this one dude and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Eliab must be the guy. It's clear. It's plain. He's never thrown an interception in his life. He's who we want on our team. But the Lord said to Samuel, who's in control of the process? Who has anointed the king? Who is bringing the new man to lead for the next season? The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature. Do not judge him by if he preaches the way you want him to preach. If he has the title you want him to have. If he has the resume you think would be best. Do not judge him according to the outward appearance. Because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Guys, I can promise you that this team, they're human. They had all their own expectations, desires, all that. I'm sure they wrestled through that, not just once at the beginning, but throughout the process. But they continually said, Lord, show us the heart of these candidates. Show us the heart so we can know that this is your man. Show us the heart so that we can see beyond the outward appearance and have confirmation in our spirit that this is who you have chosen to lead us. The Lord looks at the heart. So it's not Eliab. God rejected him. Then Jesse called, another hard name, Abinadab, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Okay, next Jesse made his other... They need to work on their names, okay? His other son passed by, and he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse made seven sons... Passed before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Now, I'm Samuel. I'm sitting there. It's not this one. It's not this one. It's not these seven. Okay, Lord, he's either here or he's not. What's going on? Now, this could get a little bit frustrating after nine or ten. What about after a hundred and sixty-seven? Guys, they didn't just throw some out. They did due diligence on behalf of the way the Lord had called them to serve and on our behalf as we had trusted them to go. We as a body affirmed this would be the ones that would serve in this capacity, and they took it seriously. And 166 times God passed somebody in front of them and said, guess what? This is not the man. And Samuel said to Jesse, uh, are all these all your kids? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, and behold, he's tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Samuel knew that just because those who had been paraded in front of him so far, that would have been the choices of Jesse, that would have been the choices of those who were looking only to the outward appearance, God had not yet said, this is the man. And he said, we will not rest. We will not sit down until you bring the other little guy, the young one, the one that you didn't even think deserved to be called in for the scouting session. Go get him. We won't sit down until he comes here. So he, Jesse, sent and brought him in. 
Now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. So it's okay if he is handsome, but don't go after him just because he is handsome. No commentary as to whether or not I think the candidate is handsome. (laughs) And the Lord said, arise and anoint him. This is he. Clarity. God speaking definitively, this is my guy. This is the one I have chosen. This is the one I have prepared. This is the one for this nation at this time. He doesn't say he's going to be better than Saul or be more handsome than Saul or stronger than Saul. It's just the one that I have chosen. Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And that's what we are asking. Lord, show us the man. And we trust that the man that you have chosen will function led by your Spirit. And we're at a place today where part of the process has brought us to us being introduced after this service to who the candidate is. And we're at a place to be able to introduce you to a candidate by name, not by presence or appearance, but to be able to introduce you to a candidate where all of the pastor search committee and all of the elders are in full agreement, where all of the different parts have seemed to come together like a work of art or a work of literature. And we're at that place where we think God has said yes. And so now as we consider How do we move forward from here as we move to the next phase and hear those steps? You guys, as a body who have not been on the pastor search committee or the elders, I think should be reminded of a couple of things. Number one, the process is not finished. Number two, the process is not starting either. It doesn't start now that you're being introduced to the candidate. It started probably before the foundations of the earth, but I don't know about all that, okay? But it definitely started sometime last year when the elders were praying over a group of people that we believed would be representative of this entire congregation. And then it from there went to all of us as a body affirming those people. So as you have already affirmed those people to do the work that they have done, the process has been happening on your behalf for a very long time. So the process is not finished. You still have to pray. You still have to seek. You still have to ask the Lord. Posture yourself like Samuel. Lord, is this the man? Lord, what do you say? Like Greg said, Lord, if we've missed something, please, among this body, bring that forward. But Lord, the question is not, does he fit all of my boxes? Or send off all my bells and whistles. The question is simply, what are you saying? Is this you? Is this your will? Is this your man? And as we move forward, you will have an opportunity to affirm what has already happened to this place. 
assuming that you are hearing from the Lord and the Lord is telling you the very same thing. Now, hear me out on this. I told somebody this earlier today that was asking me what was I going to preach about. I don't want you to have any sense that you are not able to fully engage in the process because we have unity at this point. From day one, we have trusted the Holy Spirit to do His work among the pastor search committee. We believe He has. We have trusted that the elders would be led by the Holy Spirit, and we believe that God has led the elders. We believe that we're at the place that we are today, having trusted the Holy Spirit throughout the whole process to bring His man to us, not for us to find the right man, but for God to bring His man to us. And for you to now re-engage in the process and to do your due diligence and primarily seeking the Lord and praying and talking to those that have been a part of the process and trusting the work that has already been done and asking God to give you understanding and wisdom and discernment. The process is not yet finished. But to this moment, we need to celebrate the work that the Lord has done because it is very clear that His hand has led and guided us to this place for us to be in full agreement. And then as we move forward, the question that we ask is, Lord, what are You saying? Is this the man? Lord, lead us. Guide us. Help us to hear Your heart, Your preference. Know what You desire and help us to lay down what our expectation is and take up what you are leading us to and calling us to. Around my office, um, I have a privilege of talking with Bill a lot about spiritual things. And there's two words that he uses often related to church and church membership and as a firm serving clients and being in relationship with people. And those two words are jointly fitted. And it comes from Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 16, and in the King James Version, it says that the different parts of the body are fitted jointly. But I want to share with you this morning what the New Living Translation says. It says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Each part has its own special work to do. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Our prayer for this congregation is that we would be healthy and growing and full of love. And our prayer for the way that God brings about the next leader of this congregation to lead us into the next season of the history of Gateway Baptist Church is that he would be jointly fitted with us. And I can assure you that the testimony of the pastor search committee is that he is jointly fitted. And I can assure you that the testimony of the elders is that he is jointly fitted. But I can also assure you that we will not have full confirmation that he is jointly fitted until God moves upon the body and the body at large affirms this. 
And I want to encourage you to take your role in this as seriously as the committee has taken their role in presenting yourself before the Lord and saying, God, give me eyes to see, ears to hear. Lead me in the way that we should go so that I can know from you what you are doing if this is your man, if this is a yes, if this is what you are saying. Let's stand. We're going to sing. As we do, we're going to close. Certainly you have the opportunity to just think in terms of where we are as a church and the pastor search committee. But I think you also have an opportunity this morning to just simply evaluate how are you living your life individually? Are you living on the basis of what pleases you? What comes natural? What comes easy? What you want? What you expect? What you desire? Are you living in a way where you're simply saying, God, show me your way. Let me see your hand at work. Help me to hear your voice. What are you saying, Lord? And surrendering what you desire to take up what God desires. I know it's hard. I know we fail at it every single day. But God's mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. He encourages us to lay down our failures, to take up His cross, to embrace the mercy and the grace that is freely given to us and to allow His Spirit to live in us and through us so that we can experience Him for who He is, so that we can experience all that He has for us. We're praying that we would be able to do that individually and particularly in this season of the history of our church. We're praying that God would continue to move in a very clear and in a very definitive way so that we know exactly what He is saying so that we can be obedient and faithful in following Him forward.